Hey everyone, well, welcome to Stutter Talk and Happy New Year at episode 702 for January 1st, 2021. The What Parent Actually Wants Their Child to Stutter edition. I'm your host, Pete. Peter Reitzes here with fellow Stutter Talk host and today's guest, Dr. Christopher Constantino. Hey, Chris. Hi, Peter. It's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, it's great to have you back on air for this juicy topic. Chris Constantino is a speech language pathologist and assistant professor at Florida State University. Chris co-edited the highly acclaimed book, Stammering Pride and Prejudice. I'm Peter Reitzes, a speech language language pathologist and president of Stutter Talk. Today, Chris and I will be discussing a listener question. Uh, after listening to our last at, at episode, at episode 701 on preschool stuttering treatment, the listener asks, what parent would not want their child to be fluent? So let's listen to the audio now, Chris. Hi, Dr. Wrights. It's Ryan calling from Toronto. I'm a speech-language pathologist who works with a lot of children who stutter, and I just wanted to speak to your final point of um, the interview on what really works in preschool stuttering, the idea that it's parents' choice whether their kids should be allowed to stutter or try to stop the stuttering. And I, I, my immediate reaction was, what parent would not want their child to be fluent? Uh, so... That's my thought. Okay, Chris, so much to talk about. So you co-edited the book, Stammering Pride and Prejudice, Difference, Not Defect, and have an excellent chapter in this disability rights triumph. I say that, Chris, because it is the first textbook in our field uh, that is devoted to disability rights. Is that correct, you think? At least in the stuttering world, I, I, I think it's the first a uh, book that attempts to look at stuttering from a point of view that doesn't uh, assume it's something that needs to be fixed. Hmm. Excellent. And and this background of yours um, makes you uniquely qualified to tackle today's topic. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to respond to a question you have thought so much about, which is, do we gain anything by stuttering? But first, Chris, do you think we need to take a moment to differentiate between preschoolers who stutter, which is generally considered ages two through six on the one hand, and older children, teens, and adults who stutter on the other hand? I think yes and no. I think yes, because generally stuttering at that age is uh, much more dynamic, right? It it's it's much more possible that that stuttering is going to go away. Um, this could happen spontaneously, or just what we when we say spontaneous recovery, we usually mean that it it wasn't aided by therapy. Um, and it also seems like preschool therapies, although the, the the extent is still unknown, do seem to increase the recovery. Right. So it seems like preschoolers can become fluent, whereas those who continue to stutter after preschool are, are generally assumed to stutter for the rest of their lives. So in, in, in that sense, I think 
they're different. I think they're the same in that we don't know who will recover, right? We don't know which preschoolers with or even without therapy will continue to uh, the daughter. And so a lot of preschoolers are also people who will be stuttering the rest of their lives as well. And so thinking about stuttering as central to them, um, as, as, a, as a part of this person, I don't think is so off the base because it could be. We don't really know which preschoolers are going to continue to stutter and which ones won't. So if I heard you correctly, and please correct me if this is wrong, it sounds like you do adhere to some extent to this idea that during the preschool stuttering years, there is a window of clinical opportunity where the speech language pathologist working with the family may be able to either help the child recover or speed up recovery. Is that about correct? I think it's really blurry, right? Because I don't know that every child who stutters in at, at that age is capable of ceasing to stutter, right? It's not like I think that if we get therapy, if we do good therapy in that window, that we can, with a certain amount of certainty, make that kid fluent. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not confident of that. What I'm confident of is that it seems like preschool therapy programs improve on the spontaneous recovery rate, right? So when you look at the amount of kids who seem to become f- fluent in preschool stuttering programs, it seems to be more than would have become or we would expect to become fluent without a therapy. But that doesn't really say anything about individual children, right? So um, there does seem to be a window, but whether that applies to every child, I, I, I have a feeling that it, it doesn't. I have a feeling that there's some kids who are just going to continue to stutter no matter what. So let me share with the listeners what I told you off air. As I said to Dr. Constantino off air, I don't know how you're going to answer this first question. (laughs) And I I will let you know that I completely agree with everything you just said. It would be fun to disagree, but I don't disagree. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) I think you just nailed it. And uh, yeah, so, and and before I get to the uh, next question, I, I do want to say at the top here that I have met adults, uh, whether they are a parent or the rare speech language pathologist, who I, I'm going to dare say don't want the child to stop stuttering or are fine and okay with the child continuing to stutter or don't want to make an effort to facilitate or help the child to stop stuttering because they don't view it as important. Uh, have you experienced these things as well, Chris? Yeah, I, I, I've certainly met parents who are um, usually as parents who have grown up around stuttering. Maybe they stutter themselves, and for them, the priority is just on learning to embrace 
who you are and how you speak and whether the child is fluent or not just isn't that important to them. And while these are only two examples, sometimes you might meet a dad who says, I stuttered. It was so horrible. I, I want my child to have speech therapy so they don't have to experience this. And then you might meet another dad who says, I stutter. I had a terrible experience at speech therapy. I won't let my child anywhere near a speech therapist. And then there's many other views that you hear as well. Um, so let me ask you this big question, Chris, because you've thought so much about it. Do people who stutter gain anything by stuttering? So I think this is one of the things I've thought about the uh, uh, most in in my own journey with stuttering. And I think it was because I was, whenever you open up your mouth and you choose to speak, you're also choosing how open to be you, you want to be about your stuttering. And in my journey with stuttering, it was, it was really hard to be open, even though I wanted to be like I intellectually, I knew that my speech would be easier if I let myself stutter, but behaviorally it was, it was really difficult. And so something I thought a lot about is why is that? Why is stuttering sort of one dimensionally negative, right? Is, is it, are are there only consequences to stuttering or are there things that stuttering does for me that I would be missing out on if I were to successfully hide it or if I was fluent. And so I can't answer this question for what other people might gain from their stuttering. I I think that's up to them. They have to figure this out for themselves. But I can certainly say that I think I've I've nailed down very concrete experiences that I would miss out on if I was fluent. I would love if you want to give us some examples or some bullet points of what have you gained or learned or achieved from your stuttering. Right. And so when I, when I phrase this question to myself and to my clients, because this is something I talk with them about in therapy, something I'm often trying to avoid is I don't want this question to be, what have you gained by overcoming the hardship of stuttering, right? Because I, I, I think that's often the answer that you get is um, stuttering's made me more patient or more empathetic. It's made me a stronger person. And I think those are all great. Like th- that, that's, that's not something that you should dis miss, but that's not unique to stuttering, right? Those are things you would gain from experiencing any sort of a hardship. What, what I'm more interested in is in the moment of disfluency, when you're feeling the duck, does anything happen that's good? And for me, something that happens almost every time is this distinct feeling of intimacy with the person that I'm talking to, that 
I'm I'm showing them something that is vulnerable and that is delicate. And the, that that opportunity for shared vulnerability likely wouldn't have been present in that conversation if I hadn't stuttered. And so it it my stuttering can can introduce a deeper level of in, intimacy into almost every conversation that I have just by allowing it to happen. And I think that that has effects that, that, that has real effects that people, uh, pick up on. Um, I've had people comment to me that because of my stuttering, they feel more able to share personal details about their own lives with me or because of my, stuttering, uh, they find me more trustworthy or easy to speak to. And so I think, Stuttering's ability to make you vulnerable in a in a simple act of speaking is something that I gain. So that's so interesting because until I read your chapter and got to know you a li- little bit, I wouldn't have thought of vulnerability as one of the great things about the stuttering experience. Uh, and I'm very open to it. And I love, I loved reading your chapter. It made me laugh. It made me tear up a little bit and feel part of a community. Um, but I, I like to think, or I shouldn't say, but, and I like to think of stuttering as, as a strength. Like I have battle scars and I'm proud of them from the tough times. And, I'm proud of the people who have been attracted in some way to 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 my stuttering and when other people might dismiss me they come closer. And I I I had a a stuttering buddy y- years ago who used to talk about the great social filter that stuttering brought where you know if you stuttered in a group of people you'd pretty much know quickly who you wanted to be friends with and who you didn't want to be friends with. Uh thoughts or comments Chris? Yeah, I, I I would agree with all of those, right? I have a I have a young client currently. He's he's a twelve year old boy who said that his stuttering makes the small talk really really easy because um, when he he meets somebody new, he usually introduces himself and says, "Oh, by the way, I have I have a stutter." And inevitably, they ask him about it, and then he's talking about something near and dear to him, and it makes it easier for him to make f- friends. And so I think there's there's all kinds of ways in which stuttering adds experiences to our lives that we might find valuable. Um, and I think what's important is not what those experiences are, but that we allow stuttering to be a complex and nuanced human trait, right? That it's not just something that we instinctively think think is bad and we have to get rid of, but we see it as just a normal part of being a human being that has challenges, but also has uh, benefits. And I think you might agree. I just want to make a note to the lit listeners that 
I'm going to dare say we, Chris, we understand that to get to the point we're talking about uh, isn't always easy. In fact, it was very, very hard for me. I had to meet other people who stutter. I had to find a great speech therapist and trust that speech therapist. I had to go way out of my comfort zone. Um, thoughts, Chris? Absolutely. I uh, The last thing I want to suggest is that this is just a matter of having a positive attitude and then everything's okay. I I think in in a lot of ways, this is a process. Um, And I think it's a process for a number of reasons. One, I think a lot of times you see this in children, you, you instinctively react to a moment of stuttering by, by avoiding, by tensing up, by blocking that it's, it's, it can be an inherently unpleasant experience and children seem to react to it that way. And then on top of that, uh, society doesn't make it easier, right? There's stigma and discrimination and we're punished in a lot of ways for how we speak. And so it's, it's most definitely an uphill the battle, but I don't think all of the challenge is necessarily inherent to our speaking. I think it has a lot to do with the social circumstances in which we're talking. Hmm. This is Stutter Talk. I am Peter Reitz here with Dr. Christopher Constantino. We are discussing the listener question, what parent would not want their child to be fluent? So Chris, I know we both agree. I know we've both said that stuttering is a gift. And I think it's one thing for stuttering to be a gift to us. But I'm reminded of a child who stutters who I heard say, and he was so funny about it. He's like, yeah, stuttering's a gift. It's like getting socks on Christmas. Can I give it back? I'm very comfortable with saying my stuttering is a gift. I I don't, I personally don't want to tell, and I'm not saying you do, I, but I don't feel comfortable telling someone else's child, um, or if I had a child who stuttered, um, that it's a gift. Thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I would never tell anybody else how to feel about their own stuttering or or their child's. I think as parents, we instinctively want to make our children's lives as easy as possible. And so I don't think it's wrong for a parent to see stuttering in a negative light. However, um, I think real, re- realistically, when we're talking about stuttering, we're talking about something that most likely is not going away. And so how do we recalibrate how we're thinking about it, considering that this is likely a, a permanent part of your ch- child's life? Hmm. And I'm sorry if you said this, but I just want to clarify that it's most likely not going away for older children. But I, 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 I don't know if you work with the three-year-olds, but I, I have worked with quite a few of the young ones, and it often does go away, as you've said right. many times. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I'm 
more implying children who are who are older. So here's a big discussion, Chris. I just read an excellent long column at The Atlantic titled The Last Children of Down Syndrome. And I'll put a link up to it at Stutter Talk at episode 702. And the author reports that 95% of the children in Denmark who were given a prenatal screening and diagnosed with likely Down syndrome are being aborted, 95%. Uh, In the same article, the journalist says that a company in New Jersey that screens embryos for hundreds of possible conditions reports the one test customers keep asking for is autism. The science isn't there yet, but the demand is. It's heavy stuff. Chris, are you worried about this and the future of stuttering? I mean, related, do we want to see stuttering eradicated if the science ever goes in that direction? See, I I think this worries me greatly. Um, When we talk about genetic research in stuttering, the hope, I think, is that we'll learn more about why people stutter. They might eventually develop gene therapies that can be used to maybe help people stutter less. But if you look at what's happened in other disabilities, usually where that research leads is early detection and then to abortion. And that, that, that makes me very uncomfortable. Um, the, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm so interested in helping people find value in their speech, in their stuttering, because it's, it, it's certainly worth living a life with a stutter, right? And the, the choice between either existing with a, with a stutter or not existing, I think should be an easy choice, but there's so much societal stigma against disability that I worry that, that it's not as easy as a choice as it could be. Mm. So in this same article, I I think I'm going to be approximate here. I think the journalist reported that there's less than 20 children a year born in Denmark with Down syndrome, which is, it's just striking. And I know, I I know it's so complicated. um, I, I don't even know if I should go down this route, but when I listened to a public radio show on this topic, Right away, there was a tug of war between abortion rights and one group of feminism or feminists and disability rights, which is often also a part of feminism, uh, or at least related. Um, so it's so very complicated. And, you know, I have, we have an autistic son and we just love him so very much. And when you read, that many parents are inquiring if prenatal screenings uh, will include autism. What that says to me is parents are very open to the possibility of abortions for children who might have autism. And 
uh, it's a heavy thing to think about. Uh, sorry to put that on you, Chris, but take it wherever you'd like. I I share your worry and I share your concern. I it's it's something I think about a lot. I I I think both camps have legitimate concerns. I think a lot of disability rights activists see what's going on with these abortions as eugenic, right? That through uh, abortion, you're you're controlling who uh, who gets to be born, who gets to be considered a valuable human being, and. I would share those concerns. I I I worry that stuttering could become something that people choose choose against in their children. I've I've already met people who, because they've had negative experiences with stuttering, have chosen not to have kids in the first place, and. Again, I'm going to keep reiterating this. I think a lot of those difficulties are not inherent to stuttering, but to how it's been treated by others. And I would hate for societal prejudice to lead to people choosing to not have children who be because they stutter. Thank you for sharing that, Chris. And I will say to the Stutter Talk listeners that Stutter Talk does not take any position on abortion, abortion rights. We are simply talking about these very real issues. And the public radio show I heard that interviewed this journalist, somebody called in who was a woman and said, don't you understand? Some of us can't afford to raise a child with Down syndrome. We don't have the resources. And um, it's just so complicated. That's my only point of sharing that is this is just so complicated. I I, I don't want to wake up in a world without stuttering, Chris, but I also don't want to tell any child or person or parent that their child or they have to stutter. It's so complicated. It's such an awful, it's even awful to talk about it, Chris. Uh, I think what I want, though, is to create an environment in which stuttering isn't so difficult, right? If, 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 if the world wasn't so punishing, that I I don't think that would be such a difficult decision if if people could stutter openly and be received with patience and understanding and uh, not be judged for it, then I, I I have to imagine and maybe I'm 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 being hopelessly optimistic, but I have to imagine that that much of the burden of stuttering would be relieved. I think you would still have frustration at getting blocked and not being able to say exactly what you want to say, how you want to say it. I, I don't want to diminish the physical difficulty of stuttering, but I, I, I do think it would dramatically improve people's quality of life. 
Chris, I think often of this time when I was a person who stutters in speech therapy, I had no plans to be a speech lang- language pathologist. And after my session, the speech therapist said, you should hang around and observe me work because I think you could be a great speech language pathologist. And you know, I was shocked. Like, how, how could I do that? I stutter. It, it didn't seem anywhere within a possibility for me. So I did. And the first session that I observed, a mother and father came in and they were still standing up and they were still shaking the speech therapist's hand and they had their child with them. And the mother blurts out, will my daughter ever get a husband? Her daughter was two or three years old. And I I certainly know that I thought of my stuttering in the most awful, debilitating ways. So it's hard for me to blame a parent for having similar thoughts. And it just, it makes me think that when, if a parent has a prenatal screening and they're told your child will likely stutter, if they're thinking that stuttering is as awful as will my daughter ever get a husband, uh, that's, that's, that's what we're up against, man. Yeah. And I, and I don't think it's any one person's fault, right? You make meaning out of the meanings that are available to you, right? So you, you grow up in an environment and you learn things from that environment and you draw conclusions from that. And the, so, so, so people are taking their experiences and they're drawing conclusions that if my son or daughter talks like this, it's going to prevent them from ever having a meaningful relationship. And that's not the parent's fault for drawing that conclusion. That's, that's just the meaning that they've taken from their experiences. And yeah, that's unfortunate. And it's worrisome in terms of the, you, genetic consequences of of what some of this technology could lead to. And I'll promise the listeners, after we take a short break, we're going to come back and be a little lighter about this topic. This is Stutter Talk. I'm Peter Reitzes here with Dr. Christopher Constantino. We're talking about the question, what parent would not want their child to be fluent? Let me ask you this, Chris, or I'll tell you that the majority of speech language pathologists I meet assume that preschoolers should stop stuttering, uh, which you know, in my mind that I don't want to say that's reasonable. What I'm trying to say is there's so much recovery at that age that when a child is three, I also agree it would be nice if the work we do could lead the child to recovery or to faster recovery. Where I'm much more concerned is when speech language pathologists assume that for teens and adults and older children, that work should also lead to full recovery. That's where I think we're getting into trouble. But sticking with preschoolers, I do, I have met 
a number of speech language pathologists who specialize in stuttering or who work heavily in stuttering that bristle at the idea that the work should lead towards recovery. I don't know if they would stand up and say, I want the child to continue to stutter, but I also don't think they would stand up and say, I I would like this work to lead to full recovery. Any thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, I think that there's a growing movement to try to see stuttering as just any other natural human variation, right? As, as just like any other part of your identity. So your gender, your race, your ethnicity, your age, you know, stuff that you, you wouldn't necessarily go to therapy to have changed. And so the, the point of therapy would be to learn to value this part of your self as as important and 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 integral to who you are but th- to s- suggest that somebody needs to change it would be akin to um suggesting that a a gay person should try to be straight or that a black person should try to be white and i i i i i think there is um I think there's a lot of positive in that point of view, but I also think there's some nuances that get lost in those comparisons. And so when you're talking about older children, right, where as, as, as we were talking about earlier, they're much less likely to completely stop stuttering. I think that point of view works really, really well that um, having the person have a healthy and positive relationship with their stuttering should be step one. And step two would be um, helping them speak easier, right? Helping them manage their moments of stuttering with less difficulty, with with greater spontaneity and ease. I I think where things get more controversial is with preschoolers because of that possibility of fluency, right? And so is it inherently bigoted to want a stuttering child, a stuttering preschooler to be fluent? And I think people are, I think this, this answer might sound like I'm, I'm, not picking a side, but I, I, I think people are entitled to disagree over this, right? I think that somebody who feels that pursuing fluency at that age is to devalue stuttering, I think there's some truth to that. But I also think that because stuttering seems to come with inherent difficulties, right? The 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 inability to volitionally finish the sound of a word when you want to. And you can't guarantee that that person is going to find gain in their stuttering like we talked about earlier. I, I hope every person who stutters finds gain in their speech. But you can't guarantee that, right? Many people who, who stutter wish that they didn't. 
And so I also don't think there's anything wrong with trying to avoid those difficulties by pursuing fluency at that age. In a recent 2020 study by the Anza Group, they brought up an interesting point I'd love to get your feedback on. They make the point that speech therapy should be begun near onset, even for those children who might recover from stuttering, because children who stutter, even for a short time, might develop issues later in life related to things like anxiety. Um, So what do you make of this view that treating preschoolers who stutter uh, might be important just to prevent things such as anxiety disorders or anxiety challenges later in life? I think, and this is something I tell my students because this question of um, if many preschoolers who stutter are going to get better on their own, should should we treat them at onset or should we wait? And my point of view is that somebody who's having speech trouble is having speech trouble, regardless of whether they're going to stop having speech trouble in the the future. And if we can help them in, in the moment, we should help them in the moment, right? If, if anything, um, they might continue to stutter, and then you got in early and hopefully prevented a lot of negative reactions, um, promoted some, some, some positive behavioral changes and some positive at- attitudinal changes. If they recover on their own, or maybe your therapy made them recover faster. It's really hard to tease that apart. But then, great. Then, then hopefully you still made their life better during that process. Regarding the anxiety issue, and I've said this before on Tutter Talk, I don't think children who stutter are as delicate as we make them out to be. I don't know that a children who recovers from stuttering is going to have any long-term anxiety issues from their year or two of stuttering when they were younger. I'm, I'm less concerned about the long-term effects than I am about just making their life better while they're still stuttering. So interesting. I I will only add to that, that when we're dealing with preschoolers who stutter, I I like to remind myself, who is the person who has the stuttering problem? It's usually not the preschooler. So so we do, obviously, we want to help the child with the child stuttering. But it's usually the parent who is often feeling desperate or confused or getting conflicting advice. So I I see another good reason to start treatment soon is when a parent says, I need help. Uh, So it's, so you have two clients, really, you have the child who's probably less concerned, probably not concerned at all, or, or, you know, for the most part, or some children might be concerned, but it's usually the parent who's more concerned. I, I, I don't know if you agree or disagree. I would agree with that a hundred per cent and that uh, a parent who is more comfortable with 
that's uh, dattering because they're receiving help is going to help a child be more comfortable with their sad uh, dattering also. So I think it's a win-win. Hmm. Agreed. Last question. Try to make this a fun way to go out. I have met people, Chris, who do not stutter, who truly want to stutter. They want to be in the stuttering club so badly. I am thinking of a speech language pathologist I know, maybe several. I am thinking of a mother I know, maybe several. There's one mom who I was at a stuttering self-help conference with, and I've known her for a while, and she kept turning to me and saying, you know, I think I stutter. And I finally said to her, you don't stutter. Your child stutters. You're a great mom. You've been through some really tough times, and now you're going through some better times, and you have a great community. I didn't say all this to her, but I said it much shorter. But she she just wanted the stuttering so bad. And you know, she's in the mom club of stuttering, but she's not in the stutter stutter club. So and then I, I'm thinking of a guy I met in New York City who walked into a stuttering self-help meeting. And as is customary, afterwards, somebody would take that person out to get to know them better, to talk to them. And after he attended several meetings, it, I took him out. Uh, we went out for, uh, I actually think we went out for sushi. And he said, look, I got to confide in you. I don't really stutter. But when I walked by your meeting, you all seem so nice. And I really need friends. And you, you're all just so friendly. And I, I feel so welcomed. And Chris... Thoughts, feedback, comments. I I think we have a great community. The stuttering community is wonderful. I remember the first time I went to an NSA conference, and I've never felt so much love, like just from complete strangers in my life. It was it was beautiful. Right, that we, all these people who had gone through the same s struggles and recognized those struggles in others, and just wanted to support each other, and it was it was really, really, really wonderful. And when you talk to people who stutter about what they gain from stuttering, that's one of the things they always mention is their friends and the stuttering community. And that, that's actually one of the reasons why I had to reframe the question <laughs> so that I wasn't asking, you know, what do you gain in general, but what do you gain by the act of stuttering? Because too many people were talking about uh, the stuttering community, their friends and I wanted something more specific than that. Um, so I, 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 I can completely see why that would be attractive to people. Mm. So have you ever been to a stuttering conference and the parent or the friend or the husband or wife or speech language pathologist is getting grilled? Do you stutter? And I feel bad for them because because when you approach somebody immediately at a conference and want to know if they stutter, it is a certain level of entry. You know, it is a certain level of a backstage pass or not. So I, I do understand that when you're in our community, you want to be sometimes in as much as possible. Right. But to me, to be fair, a lot of times 
in the rest of people's lives, uh, Duttering makes them feel like they're the outsider. So it's it's nice to be on the inside for once. Oh, yeah. I love the Stuttering Club. So, Chris, I think we did it. We had fun. We went heavy. I really enjoyed this. So happy New Year to you, Chris, and to all the listeners. Happy New Year's, Peter. (laughs) 